Aloha, and welcome to The Word of Hope with Ralph Moore, pastor of Hope Chapel Kaneohe. Hope Chapel exists to grow ordinary people into faithful, productive followers of Jesus Christ, equipping them through Bible teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. Today, Pastor Carl Moore is back with part two of a message entitled, Our Priority List. We're still in the book of Ephesians. And now, here's Pastor Carl. So let's go to Ephesians chapter five. Here's the action for this. Uh, like I said, I wanna give you guys an action for each topic. If this first topic is the basis for all the rest of it, continually filled with the Holy Spirit, chasing after God, continually praising Him and focusing on Him, Here's one of the actions that you can take to say, you know what, starting today, starting tomorrow, I'm going to put into effect what we were talking about. One action is to be continually filled with the Holy Spirit is to take a Sabbath day. Because see, this is one of the top 10 list commandments in the Bible, right? God's top 10 list in the Bible, the 10 commandments. One of them is to take a Sabbath, to, to, to do exactly what we're talking about, to be filled with the Lord, to revive your body, to rest and to focus on Him, to give Him some time. And you know what? I think this is a, a law that many of us probably are in the habit of breaking every single week. I know I'm pretty guilty of it too. I try to shoot for having a Sabbath, but I don't always get one. And we've kind of forgotten about that. We think that, well, any time off is time for me, and I'm going to go do whatever I want to do. And God's saying, well, you know what? Why not taking a day just for me? And let me speak to you. Let me just re refresh you. Why don't you try sleeping in this day and get up and really spend some time reading your Bible because, oh, I never have time to read it all the other work days of the week. Well, then take a day to just spend reading your Word and praying and communicating with Him and resting and just hanging out with your family. Take a Sabbath. There's one action that you can plan to do. And so there's one action thing. Here's another thing is, ever, ever tried fasting? Try to take one day this week where you just fast. It means you don't eat any food. And instead, every time you start getting hungry and start feeling like, oh, I should be eating right now, it's just a reminder to say, no, I'm going to press into God. I want to be filled with Him. God, speak to me right now. I'm hungry, and so this is kind of a little uncomfortable for me, but that's what submitting to you is all about, is I put my needs on the side, and I say, God, it's all about you. Talk to me. I promise you, if you fast just even one day, the next day you're going to come out of it going, oh, I learned so much. How come I never did this before? I always thought this was weird or hard to do, and why didn't I ever think about this? There's another action for you to try to do. What, I mean, what is it that you want to do if you want to say, I didn't just hear a good sermon yesterday in church, but I'm actually living it and I'm applying it to my life today? Or, or maybe just get involved in an extra ministry. Maybe go start your own J group. Or if you're not in a mini church, this is mini church month, go get involved in a mini church. The, what can you be doing to just be pushing and just praying, praying to God? Maybe you need to start praying for supernatural gifts in your life, for spiritual gifts. Maybe your, your thoughts on it have been, well, I don't know if I'm ready for that. I'm not mature enough for that kind of stuff. Well, if you want more of God, then nothing's going to get in your way of, of stopping. You're not going to care. God doesn't care. He doesn't care how dirty you are to begin with. He just says, you're all dirty, but I can make you clean. I can bless you anyway. I can love you. So maybe you need to start praying like, God, that speaking in tongues thing, I've seen other people do it. And, you know, they seem to have a good relationship with you. If I'm going to press into you, I'm willing to, to try that out. Lord, I'm willing to pray for you to give me the ability to heal people when I lay hands on them and pray. Lord, I'm willing to, to listen to you speaking to me that I might have words to share with other people. Lord, I'm willing to do whatever it takes. You can embarrass me. You can do whatever you want. I just want more of you. I want to press into you. 
And you know what? God won't embarrass you. God won't do anything that, that's going to take you so far out of your comfort zone that you're just going to freak out. He's only going to give you what you're going to be able to handle. But we need to start saying, God, I think I can handle a little bit more. I think I can handle a little more than, than I was thinking yesterday. I want more of you. But what is the action you're going to take? Have a Sabbath day. Fast. Start praying for more giftings in your life. And then it goes on in verse 21. And it talks to us about submission. It says, And further you will submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And submission is the key here. This is one of the key areas. Is learning to submit to other people. See, if you're really saying... I'm filled and I'm controlled with the Holy Spirit. I've given God control of my life. God, you have your way with me. Then it's going to be a lot easier thing for you to submit to other people. If you've already submitted your life to God, suddenly it's not going to be like a chore to say, oh, what, i got to yield my rights to someone else's needs? i got to give up something of me so that I can bless someone else? See, it sounds all by itself. That sounds like it's a lot. Like, you got to give up yourself, your selfish interests, and you got to seek the needs of other people. All by itself, you're kind of like, oh, that's a drag. That's kind of hard to do. But if you've already gotten the first part of it down, Lord, I'm committed to you. I'm open to you. You have my life. You lead me. You do whatever. Then suddenly it's like, well, why wouldn't I want to love someone else? I'm committed my life to God. He loves me. He takes care of me. Why wouldn't I want to just help someone else out? Why wouldn't I want to care for other people? It's, see, it's a natural outcome out of already being planted in a relationship with God and His Holy Spirit. It's not something you have to work at. Oh, it's hard to submit, God. Well, if your relationship with Him is right, it's going to be real easy to do. It's that you yield your rights to someone else's needs out of love for Christ. And here's Philippians 2, verses 1 through 5. This is a key verse. And I'm just, I just kind of paraphrase this. I kind of just summarize it in my own words. And it kind of goes like this. If any of this means anything at all to you, talking about all the gifts of the Spirit, talking about what God has done for you in your life, Christianity itself, all that you've been learning. If any of this means anything to you at all, then make me happy and actually live like Christians. Imitate Christ and treat each other as more important than you would treat yourselves. Submit to one another. Out of reverence for Christ, thinking that what if Christ was here? How would Christ treat your girlfriend when she's arguing with you? How would Christ treat your mom or dad when you're going through tough times in the relationship? How would Christ treat your husband or your wife or the people around you, your co-workers at work? If you start to think of it in terms of that, what would Christ do? Well, I'm supposed to imitate him because I got his name. I'm a Christian. Then I, if I'm a copier of him, a follower of him, a Jesus wannabe, if you would, then how am I going to treat those other people? How would Christ treat those people? It's saying, I'm going to submit my needs to yield to, to your needs in life. How would Christ treat those people? And here's an, an action for you this week to act on this thing, because here's another subject. Do a random act of kindness for someone in your life. Plan on just getting someone a gift, something that costs you a little bit of money, that you're saying, oh, this is a sacrifice, and just go buy something nice for someone. Or why not just, while you're out there washing your car in the driveway, walk over and wash the neighbor's car for free. Just, just for the heck of it, just to say... God, I'm submitted to you, and I'm supposed to be submitted to others. And I want people to see that by, by my actions and by my habits, that I'm a Christian. That they can just see because, why are you doing this for me? Why do you wash my car? Oh, well, I'm a Christian. I'm supposed to do this kind of stuff. God calls me to live this kind of life. Oh, wow, thanks. How cool would that be just to go do that? But do that action this week. Write that down. Here's my action for that, submitting to other people. I'm just going to go bless someone just out of the blue for no reason. Treat someone to a meal. Get someone a gift. 
Just do a nice thing for someone. Do some chores for someone else. Just what could you do thinking about people in your life, your neighbors, your friends, your coworkers? Just go do one nice thing for them, one random act of kindness. And then the next few verses, it talks to us about marriage and how to have successful marriages, how to submit to one another in our marriages. Verse 22 through 33 says, You wives will submit to your husbands as you do to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife, as Christ is the head of his body, the church. He gave his life to be her savior. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives must submit to your husbands in everything. And you husbands must love your wives with the same love Christ showed the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by baptism and God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man is actually loving himself when he loves his wife. No one hates his own body, but lovingly cares for it, just as Christ cares for his body, which is the church, and we are his body. As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. This is a great mystery, but it's an illustration of the way that Christ and the church are one. So again I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. And what this is saying is it first of all starts to talk to the wives. And we, we talked about this a few weeks ago in the relationship. It's that wives, you've got to allow your husbands to be the man that God's created and called him to be. That there's this part of us, the way that God created us differently is that men, we have this thing, our machismo, we call it, right? The stuff that makes us manly, you know, and today's Super Bowl Sunday, and we're like, yeah, you know, that's, that's part of being a man is enjoying Super Bowl Sunday, you know? And it's just all of these things that make us different from women. You know, guys are more, we're physical, we're visual, you know, we're logical, we don't mind getting dirty and all this stuff, and women are more like caring and from the heart and sensitive and you know they care about that kind of stuff like you see someone walking by you know and you're single and the guys are like wow she's hot right and the girls are like oh he's so sensitive he's such a he has such a great heart you know it's there's a big difference in the way that God has made us and so that God is God is calling us here to to say hey wives remember that your man is a man your husband he is a man let him be that man Allow him to be that and expect him to be that. And it's not saying that you let him just have free reign and do whatever he wants to do. But God is giving us husbands the responsibility. And I say this again, it's a responsibility. It's not, you don't take pride in the, the husband head of the household situation as ego or look at me, I'm the boss. But God has given you a huge responsibility to be the protector, the provider, and the leader of your wife and of your family. So it's not something you take lightly and just go off the title, yeah, I'm head of the household. But it's something that God is saying, you're accountable to me to protect your family, to take care of them, to provide for them, and to lead them in a godly fashion. And so it's a heavy responsibility. But wives, the calling on you is to say, expect your husband to step up to that role. Allow him to, to step up to that role. Don't try to control him, but allow him to become a better man, the man that God has really called him to be. But then on the other side, husbands, you got to treat your wives the way that you treat yourself, the way that, that Christ treats the church. you got to lovingly care for her. you got to support her interests and that they're different than yours and that you can't just relate to her in the way you'd relate to the guys, but you got to support her feminine side. Allow her to be the, the woman that God has called her to be. Allow her to be that partner in your life. 
Allow her to experience the emotional and the, the conversational. And that means we got to step out of our just logical, you know, two-second conversations with the guys and actually sit down and talk to our wives and, and listen to our wives and, and have discussion and, and meet her needs that are different from your needs. But there's mutual submission and mutual respect for one another that you can learn from one another. It says the two become one, and this is, this is a great mystery. It's a great mystery that a man would leave his father and mother and that the bond of marriage is stronger than that between a, a, a man and his parents or a woman and her family and parents. That it's the, the bond between husband and wife is stronger than all of that. We don't understand how strong it is, but something supernatural happens when two people make a covenant before God and to one another and God just creates this bond. And so it's saying encourage that bond, encourage that oneness. Care for your, your wife and live for her. Not just to say, I would die for my wife, but actually live for her every single day. And, you know, in Proverbs 31, it talks about being proud of one another. Being proud of your spouse, husband or wife. Proverbs 31, you read it, and it says, a wife of noble character, a woman of noble character. We always focus on, oh, this just describes a woman. But if you really read it, she talks about how she honors her family and her husband, and her husband is leader at the city gates, and, you know, this and that. And what it's talking about is, to me, as a husband, is I better be the kind of husband that deserves to have a wife like this. So it's kind of talking about both parties in the process. If you read Proverbs 31, it's a great chapter, one little chapter that talks about a well-respected husband that treats his wife well, and a well-respected wife that treats her husband well and provides for the needs of the family. But here's, here's an action for you. One of the actions that I've learned that makes my, my marriage and my life so much better in communicating with my wife is having the weekly date night. If you don't have that already, set that up this week. What's the action you're going to take from hearing about godly marriages? Is set up a time with your wife that's a scheduled time. Not just, oh, well, we hang out whenever we got time. Because chances are that little time that you're talking about really isn't that great. Oh, yeah, we hang out when I come home from work and I'm watching TV and she's cooking dinner. Yeah, we talk a little bit. What kind of time is that, you know? It's setting aside a whole night just to say, I'm just going to date my wife like back when we were dating before we were married. Keep the romance alive. Keep the communication lines alive. You know, because sometimes we, we have grudges or little things that we hold against our husband or wife. But if you're having like at least that one weekly time of getting together and talking, that's a chance for you to let it all out and to work it out and to make up and have a good evening. But at least there's that one time of the week when if you had stuff that's kind of brewing inside of you, at least it only builds up for one week, right? Instead of building up for two years or 10 years or something. If there's something going on and you're like, oh, I haven't had the chance to talk to them about it. At least you know there's that one night that's like, I know we're having date night, but I just got to let this stuff out. Get it off your chest, work, work through it, talk about it, and get on with your life. But have one night that you can just set aside just for your husband and your wife. And here's another thing, an action, starting actually today at about, what is it, 120 or so? <laughs> Super Bowl. Wives, here's a little action for you. Give your husband an awesome Super Bowl Sunday today. Spoil him, take care of all of his snacks, let him have his time with the boys, let him put his feet up on the coffee table, the stuff that he doesn't usually allowed to do. Just let him have his day. Let him just revel in his machismo, his manliness. You know, let him have this glorious day for himself. Because you know what you're going to get out of it? February 14th, Valentine's Day. <laughs> right? 
Husbands, you can have your day today because February 14th is coming up pretty soon and that's when you spoil your wives. That's when you take care of them. But there's a good action to be thinking about. Lord, how can I put this into practice? Well, I'm just, if I'm a, if I'm a wife in here, if you're a woman in here, just spoil your husband, give him his day. And if you're a husband, Valentine's Day is coming up and there's your chance to just spoil your wife and to just let her be a woman and to, to bless her in that manner. And then it goes on and it's talking about children and parents in the next part. Ephesians 6, uh, verse 1. It says, Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord. For this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. This is the first of the Ten Commandments that ends with a promise. And this is the promise. If you honor your father and mother, you will live a long life full of blessing. And now a word to you fathers. Don't make your children angry by the way that you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that's approved by the Lord. It's first of all talking to us as kids, as children, because all of us are children of, of someone in here. So if you're thinking about this, thinking, oh no, this is only for the little kids to you know, respect me because I'm the parent. Well, remember that you have parents too. No matter how old you are, you have your parents. And it's just a reminder to us that we need to honor and respect our parents. You know? A lot of us in here are adults and we're, we're dealing with our own families and our kids and all of that. But when's the last time you actually called your own parents, your mom, your dad? Maybe, maybe you need to take them out to lunch. Maybe you need to spend some time with them. Maybe you need to just honor them and talk to them and just appreciate them. Hey, thanks for all that you always do for me. You know, go do something nice for them. Um, we need to remember to honor that, that submission really starts in the family, I think. Because if you can learn to submit to your kids or to your parents, the ones that know you the best, the ones that live in your house with you, the ones that know how to push all of your buttons and really get you going, if you can learn to submit to them and love them, then pretty much all the rest of the relationships in, in this life are a piece of cake compared to those that know you the best and those that see you in your underwear and those that are dealing with you when you're sick and those that are, you know, all of those things that discipline you and you have to discipline, all of that stuff. If you can learn to deal with those closest to you, then you got a really good shot at having a good relationship in your marriage and with coworkers and all these other things if you can treat your family right. So there's a call that we're supposed to honor one another. We're supposed to give respect to one another. And that as parents, we're not supposed to raise our, our kids in a way that we're just out to make them mad all the time or in a way that we're just going to lord over our authority and just run them around and control them and just whatever. Because we have a responsibility to our Heavenly Father who says, you know what, those are my kids too. I'm holding you responsible for raising them right, for bringing them up, as it says right here, for, for bringing them up in the instruction, in, in discipline and instruction that's approved by the Lord. Are the way that you're parenting your kids, is that, way, is that the way that God is looking down and smiling and saying, good job, you're making me proud. You know, you're my, you're my child, but those are my kids too. And you're doing a good job in bringing them up. You know, can you honestly say that? And so it's learning to get along and to submit to one another. But part of it is just communicating with each other, is talking through different things, is valuing each other's opinions, being proud of your kids, and kids being proud of your parents. I don't, I don't care how old you are, if, you've still, if your parents are still around, that you need to be proud of them, you need to support them, you need to brag about them, you know, you need to speak highly of them. And some of the things that you can do as far as an action, if we give you an action today, is one thing that I've, I've seen this one family do is that for family vacations and stuff like that, they would have a, a money jar that they would set in the kitchen. And the money jar was any extra money you got, we, we got a vacation plan in a year, 
Everyone in the family is going to be a part of this thing, so let's all just chip in towards this vacation. And obviously when you fill the jar, it's not going to be enough to pay for the whole vacation. But it's a reminder that says, we're a family, we're saving together, we're working together, this is something that we're all involved in, and we're all just going to throw in spare change. Or maybe if the paper money gets in there too, that's even better. But it's something that the whole family looks forward to and works at instead of, I'm planning a family vacation, kids, you have to come along. You know, and too many times the kids are like, oh, why do we have to go here, you know? But it's like teaching them value and ownership that, hey, the whole family's involved. We're going to plan stuff on this vacation that you get to do as well. Here's another action. If you don't have a family night going on in your house once a week, you should create one. And it shouldn't be just the parents deciding what happens. Because when I was growing up, I remember my dad would always have, oh, it's family night tonight. And Okay, cool. But what would happen sometimes is he'd kind of forget He'd kind of, you know, he's such a reader, so it'd be family night, and he'd just sit down in his chair and just open up a book. And he's not reading out loud to the rest of us. He's just, just reading, you know? And we're all sitting there like, uh, you know, and I'm like, Mom, is it okay if we turn on the TV? I don't know, ask your dad. You know, like, we're all scared. We don't know what's going on. And then I'm sitting there, I'm like, well, Dad, can I turn the TV on or what? You know, he's like, He's like, oh, um, I'm reading. It's going to interrupt my reading. I'm like, oh, Dad, it's family night. Come on. You know, we're sitting on the couch and you're reading a book. He's like, oh, yeah, you're right. Sorry, guys. You know? And then we'd have our family night. But too many times I think the parents forget that it's the whole family, not just the parents, you know, like, let's all, you know, sit down and do the taxes. Ah. You know? And the kids are like, what? You know? So it's giving everybody in the family a fair say, yeah? It's you own it together and that you all get to share. And so sometimes you do the thing that the five-year-old wants to do that night and other times you do what the 12-year-old wants to do. But it's, there's a shared interest involved. And so have a family night if you're not already doing that. Try to, try to eat dinner together on a daily basis if possible. I know sometimes some families can't do that, but I know one high school kid that tells me, yeah, three nights of the week I got to eat dinner with my parents. We're busy, but we make at least three nights time for that. You get to discuss what's going on in your lives, what happened that day. You're becoming a family. You're interacting with one another. You're getting to know one another. And here's, here's another good action is a couple of phrases that I, I say are the magic words that I teach the high schoolers to say. And that's thank you and I love you. Because there's a lot of people out there that never say that to their parents and the parents never say that to the kids. You'd be surprised how many there are. Especially in our youth, youth group, there's a lot of kids that come that don't have Christian parents. And so they all have hard times. And I just say, you know what, try these magic words. Try and use thank yous and try and use I love yous. And they're like, yeah, right, I'd never say that to my dad. He's never said that to me my whole life. I'd never say that to him. And I'm like, wow. I, go, I promise you try it. God says I love you works. And so one kid was on his way to mini church the other week. And his dad actually offered to give him a ride. And he was so amazed at that because the dad never gives him any rides anywhere, especially to church. And so he goes to sleep early, the dad, because he, he wakes up early and he, he works early. And so the kid was coming to our mini church. His dad just goes, oh, what, you got to go to that thing? Oh, okay, I'll give you a ride. And he's just like, wow, that's, that's kind of cool, you know? And so he goes, oh, I wonder if I should try the magic words, you know? <laughs> My dad did something cool for me. Maybe, maybe I should... Maybe now's my chance. Maybe I'll try it. I don't know. Should I? Okay, I'll do it. So he got in the car, and they're driving over there and stuff. He's all, oh, Dad, yeah. Um, hey, thank you. Thank you for giving me a ride. Um, that's really cool. I love you, Dad. And then there's just awkward silence. You know, he's like. <laughs> and the dad just kind of like, uh. <laughs> you know, and the dad's just like driving. Like, 
And he said no one knew what to do. It was just like dead silence in the car. And they're just like, and he's thinking to himself, okay, Carl, what am I supposed to do now? You know, I said the words and we don't know what's going on. And he's like, okay. Uh, and then they drove to the, to the house and it was just all quiet in the car and, and no one really knew what was going on, you know. And he got out and he's like, okay, dad, thanks for the ride. And then he said, he's all, the magic words worked because my dad said, hey, you know what? You need a ride? I'll come get you on the way home. And his dad usually goes to sleep by like seven and he sleeps all through the night. So that was meaning that the dad was going out of his way to either stay awake till nine or whatever or to wake up again at nine and to come get his son and drive back. He, he came into mini church so fired up. I can't believe it. The magic words worked. It worked, you know. And, and he goes, my dad's coming back to pick me up. And everybody knew. We're like, what? Your dad? Sure not your mom? And she's like, no, my dad. And he goes, this thing works. But how many of us this week, an action that we could take that's, that's something big is just to tell our kids that we love them or to say, hey, thank you, or to maybe give them a hug. Maybe you don't give physical contact enough to your kids or to your parents. Maybe some of you guys are adults in here. You've never really said I love you to your mom or dad, and you've gone your whole life this far. Well, don't waste another minute. But this week, your action you're going to take, just call them up. Hey, I love you. <laughs> 